Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast from SDI, the home of spiritual companionship. I'm Anne Lancaster. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org. This is Matt Whitney. This episode is a conversation I had with Karen Ehrlichman about the spiritual direction supervision relationship. Karen has an article on this topic in our recently released September 2021 issue of Presence Journal, which is a very thoughtful offering on what she describes as a contemporary perspective on spiritual direction supervision. This article that Karen wrote and the video interview of this very conversation are available exclusively for SDI members by going to our website, sdicompanions.org slash presence. If you're not a member, you can become a member now by going to our website, sdicompanions.org. I'd like to start by saying that the need for supervision as a spiritual director is, I shouldn't say universal, but it's pretty well prescribed by most people in most training programs. And yet, as you name in your article, there's a real dearth in supervision training. And I've I've noticed that too, you know, we have training programs for spiritual directors, but not a lot of training out there for supervisors. True. Yeah. You know, I think that supervision is actually its own ministry or its own unique set of gifts and talents. Just being a seasoned spiritual director does not make somebody a good supervisor. It is actually a unique set of um, relationship skills and mentoring skills. That's a really good point because we don't have... I mean, nobody really certifies spiritual direction supervisors. Uh, So how does one begin to identify that they might be a supervisor? Is there, do you believe there's a threshold of experience or equipping that somebody should have in order to hang their shingle and say, yes, I do provide supervision for spiritual directors? Yes, absolutely. There are two basic ways that I see that people are getting spiritual direction supervision. One is in a group, whether it's a peer led group or a group with an actual facilitator. And the other is with a one on one supervisor. And they're both great for different reasons. Um, And there are a handful of long standing spiritual direction supervision training programs. And um, the one I did was kind of a hybrid version through the Mercy Center in Burlingame. And I felt really grateful for their flexibility and willingness to craft something that I felt like really gave me the support that I needed. But there's also not a lot of literature out there. I mean, there's basically now five with Lucy Abbott Tucker's book. There's now five books on supervision. Five. That's it. And a handful of articles. And um, and I think as spiritual direction and spiritual companionship has changed and evolved over time, that how we think about supervision also needs to change and evolve over time. And there's so much more, at least in a lot of the people that I work with, 
there's so much more of an entrepreneurial spirit now among spiritual directors who want to um, have a private practice or bring it into other work that they do, or even if they're working within a congregational setting or an organizational setting, they, they want some of those concrete skills like how to do outreach and, you know, what's the arc of the relationship and what are some of the ethical issues that come up? I feel like a gift I give myself every month is I meet with my supervisor. So I've been meeting with my same supervisor for 20 years. And then I have a peer supervision group and it's, I have, you know, like curveballs come you know, challenging issues come up. And also my own listening to how am I being called to serve as a spiritual director and having a place to continue to discern that call. That's really how I see my relationship with my supervisor. Sometimes we're there talking about specific stuff that came up with this, with a directee in a session. Sometimes we're there just as a space for me to listen to like, okay, what, what is God asking of me now? You in this article paint this really beautiful picture of what the supervision relationship looks like. Uh, and you, you offer alternative language around this term supervision as a way maybe to subvert some of the hierarchical notions of that relationship. And you even advocate at times for the potential to reverse that role from time to time uh, to swap hats, as it were. Uh, you also referenced an article in which you mentioned the word co-visioning, which I found very lovely. Yeah. Yeah, I found that in the feminist therapy literature where in the feminist therapy professional community, there's a lot of questioning about the language we use and the tools that we use and how are we um, either participating in or dis disrupting like a, an oppressive hierarchical framework. And the word supervisor is a very top-down word. And in training, it makes sense to have somebody who's called a supervisor. Like they are literally signing off on somebody's um, ability to provide spiritual direction. Yeah. Once you graduate from a training program, you still want to have that ethical accountability, but they're technically not like supervising. I mean, there have been times when I have asked my supervisor, like, what should I do? And like a good supervisor, she doesn't usually answer that, but because we've worked together for so long, sometimes she will say, well, here's what I did and something similar or she will give me the space to say the things that I'm thinking and feeling that I, that might not be appropriate to say to the client so that I have a place where I feel like I can turn myself inside out to really explore what is actually, like you see this gesture I'm making with my hands. It's like what's being unearthed in mm. the challenge that's coming up mm. in the session or in the, in the work itself. Um, I, I've had, as a therapist, some really bad supervisors and some really great supervisors. And having somebody who's genuinely invested in your growth 
and you're flourishing and supporting you in fully inhabiting yourself as a spiritual director is such a huge and necessary thing to do. It isn't so much like a right, doing what's right and doing what's wrong, but it really is a space to say, you can bring anything here. And if people don't feel that they can bring anything to their supervisor, then maybe they need a different supervisor. Karen Ehrlichman provides psychotherapy, spiritual direction, supervision, and soul coaching in San Francisco, California. She is a consultant to the dinner party, and she also serves on the professional advisory group for the University of California, San Francisco Medical Center Spiritual Care Services Department. You can find Karen on the web at karenerlichman.com. Karen, also in your article, you really stress that we do not come to supervision as trying to present ourselves as perfect spiritual directors, right? Um, You just now named a sense of feeling or being critiqued in our practice or that we show up to present ourselves as supposedly fit for this work. Um, But rather, on the contrary, we we show up with our brokenness and our flaws uh, and we name those and let them be out there because that's where the growth happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we to have a place where you can share your less polished parts and not worry about being shamed, but actually feel like you are supported into that next stage of your growth. Because we all make mistakes. We all occasionally say the wrong thing or um, screw up our calendars or, you know, deal with dual relationships or just, you know, all those various things that come up. I think there's another um, important section of the article where I talk about power and privilege in the supervisory relationship. And I think as our community of practice has expanded to invite more diversity around spiritual tradition, gender, race, um, class, and um multi-religiosity, like we need spiritual directors who, in whom we can see ourselves reflected. Um, it's interesting for me, like my supervisor is not Jewish, she's Catholic. Um, she was one of my teachers, but my peer supervision group is Jewish. So um, I think finding the, the gifts that are there at the edges of our differences, but also having a place where we can talk about things in our own natural kind of spiritual language, if you will, or to see yourself reflected in, in the person who's there to support you really makes a difference. And most of our training programs don't have that diversity. Yeah, and you name that in your article that they are very Christian-centric. Uh, even the ones that are open and inviting to others um, are inevitably going to carry some of that uh, that bias, I suppose, into their, their, their paradigm or their pedagogy. Yeah, we're human. So yeah. whatever are the um, 
the socio-political influences of our world, they exist in spiritual direction too. And having that permission in supervision to say, even as a supervisor, I may mess up. I may not understand. I may be beyond my capacity in terms of like my own experience as a white woman or from North America or as a middle-class person. But to have a space where that can be talked about through the lens of spiritual direction and so that the people that I'm supervising really feel like they're held in that too. And then by extension, their directees or clients are being held in that. Yeah. It's really important. Yeah. You name that too. You know, sometimes in those meetings, you can just hold the person you sit with. Uh, You can offer together with your supervisor, some silence and prayer together and just kind of create that loving space uh, on their behalf, on the, on behalf of the directee that you, that you work with instead of uh, just, you know, asking how you might solve their problems or how I as a director could have done something different in that situation. Those kinds of things we typically think of in a, in a supervision conversation. Right. Like I came in and told my supervisor a story about something that I did that felt really challenging or I didn't feel good about. And she still loves me, you know. What a wonderful relationship you have with your own supervisor. I, I hope for that uh, for everybody. You also touch on something just now about boundaries. In most teaching around spiritual direction, even in supervision, there's very clear boundaries on the type of relationship um, and the level of professionalism that we we bring to those boundaries. Um, you also mentioned that, though, for people who are maybe in uh, religions where there are not a lot of people who practice, uh, you know, you're, you're in a religious minority, a spiritual minority, um, people for LGBTQ folks or people of color, um, that there's just going to be inevitable crossover uh, in these various relationships. You know, I think you said, you know, you're not, you just can't help but run into somebody uh, within circles of people. Uh, and I wonder how you discern those boundaries and navigate those. Because I know some spiritual directors that take these boundaries very seriously and very strictly, uh, similar to how those who work in psychotherapy and others uh, in helping modalities do, such that they won't be friends with people who they, uh, they won't be friends on social media. They won't, excuse me, they won't acknowledge, they won't say hi to them in person uh, unless that person uh, initiates that uh, conversation uh, just out of protection uh, and confidentiality for the people they work with. Um, So I guess what I'm asking is what, what are the ethical boundaries that we need to have with our supervisor or as a supervisor? I think the most important thing is to have that ethical conversation with yourself, with God, with your supervisor, right? So that there's some accountability there. And I, I do draw a lot of wisdom from colleagues of mine who live in really remote rural areas where they belong to the same church as their directees. They 
shop at the same one health food store, you know, like, and they have found a way to make it work because that's actually normal for them. Mm. And, or that people have been in religious communities offering spiritual direction to each other for years, right? Like sisters and priests. And, um, and so I think there's some, there's some wisdom from the psychotherapy world around how do we maintain healthy boundaries that really honor the confidentiality of the directee or the client while at the same time, um, it's not the same as therapy. You know, it, it, it isn't, I don't know that I would say I would pretend that I don't know somebody if I ran into a directee in out in public, but I would say that um, we talk about it. Like, well, what would it be like if we ran into each other and how would you want to handle it? And what if we do belong to the same church or synagogue? Um, what if we do end up at the same memorial service or a Shiva minion, like how would you want to handle that? So that the person feels that I am respecting their, their dignity and their honor and their boundaries. And I think it is incumbent upon us to, um, when we take on this responsibility of doing this work or this ministry, there are some sacrifices that we make. You know, there are some things that teachers and politicians and therapists and um, religious leaders, like we have made a choice to follow that call. And there are some things that regular citizens of the world get to do that sometimes we don't get to do. And, but there's also really great stuff that we do get to do. So it's really, um, it's a trade-off as of kind of a long answer to your question, but um a short answer would be sometimes a dual relationship is unavoidable and that doesn't make it bad. Yeah. Um, the more things can be discussed, I think the better it is. And I often ask my supervisees, like, what are the things that you are most afraid to talk about in spiritual direction or in supervision? And how do we talk about those things? Well, yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you. I just have found myself being mindful of boundaries and and when there's overlap, uh, which there inevitably is uh, with my job, um, but but not meaning that an overlap means I have to end a relationship, but just being able to name it within that relationship. Is, is that appropriate? Does that sound right? Yeah, I think also for people who have multiple intersecting identities, right? Like somebody who's Jewish and LGBTQ and maybe a person with a disability or they're a person of color who's multi-religious, um, the pool of choices gets smaller and smaller when people, people wanna be able to come to direction or supervision and not have to like explain everything and feel like there's some common ground there that's a foundation, that narrows the options significantly, the number of people um, who are available. Like the number of people of color who are trained as supervisors, I bet it's less than 20. Mm -hmm. um, 
And that that is heartbreaking for people of color who want to have a supervisor who's also a person of color in which there can be that shared sense of the racial and cultural aspect of the work as a spiritual director. Mm. Um, for me as a white person, I, I do supervise um, a number of people of color and I always bring it up as a conversation to say, I just want to acknowledge as a person with white skin privilege, that this is something that also enters into our relationship and supervision. And I will do my work to be as mindful as I can of um, tending to my own biases. And that I hope that we can speak as freely with each other as possible as we navigate this territory together, because supervision is a place where we can be vulnerable together. And then it, that, in, kind of energetically extends to the directee. Hmm, yeah. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.